It is Thursday, December 29th, 2022. This is our final year-end edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Producer Dan along for the ride as well. Can you believe that we're almost at 2023, my friend? I can. I was discussing that with my good friend, Jack Flaherty, last night, how once the holidays start, it just goes like that, and all of a sudden, baseball season's here. I mean, these guys are, like, ramping up. January comes, and you know it's it's about that time. Um, so it is crazy. I don't like how fast time moves. I have, an, I have on the ant portion, I'm going to give you a saying uh, that my grandma used to say to me. But uh, how are you doing, bro? You look great. I'm good. Uh, name dropper, what would you do last night? Why wasn't I invited again? We had a little uh, dinner party. It wasn't awesome. my party, Chris. I didn't invite the people. Anybody else? Any other uh, big swingers out there in the baseball world? I don't want to name drop. You just called me out. Tell, people have been calling let's, me out so much lately. I don't. I don't no, no, no. Let's go. On. I want to hear it. It was me, him, and Cole last night. Oh, that's sweet. It was good. great. Yeah, it's good to see the guys. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's get to it. For the first time ever, I believe, in the history of this show, I am wearing a Texas Rangers hat. Now, albeit it says Texas Rangers Spring Training 2012, but I'm here and I'm representing. Why? Because the <laughs> Rangers continued to add to their starting rotation. They signed former Red Sox hurler Nathan Avaldi, two years, 34 mil. Has Texas all of a sudden, in your opinion, become a serious wild card contender? No, not a serious wild card contender, but a wild card contender if. Chris, if everything goes right, we got a lot of pieces here that are that these guys could have really good seasons or they could not have really good seasons. I know that sounds like stupid mm. and what kind of analysis is that, but it's a lot of depth on that roster. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at here. If things pan out right, I think Jacob deGrom is going to be a guy. I kind of, I mean, I like the rotation. Eovaldi to me is one of the most slept on pitchers. It's like him and David Robertson. These guys when right are just absolutely nasty. So I like, you know, the one, two, three punch of him and gray and, and deGrom uh, that can get it done. And the lineup has some thump in it too. Some guys I really like there, but again, this is a scenario where just everything has to go right. Or Chris, you know, the other teams in the AL could go wrong too. Sometimes that happens. Well, first of all, I think you skipped over Martin Perez, who was out of all of the pitchers in their rotation, A, the most productive in terms of innings, uh, ability, what he showed. I mean, he almost threw 200 innings. Everybody else didn't get their full share. The other thing that scares me a little bit about their rotation is that everybody's over 31, and most of them are in their mid-30s, right? John Gray's the youngest guy. And he's 31. Uh, they all have injury history, some of the substantial. Uh, so they're going to need that depth. But I'm going to ask you this, just yes or no. Is this rotation as it stands, even when it's at peak performance, better than the Houston Astros? No. Is it better than the Seattle Mariners? Peak performance? Peak performance. Versus peak performance? No. I don't think so either. So what we have is it's good enough. It's good enough, much, Chris. It's good enough. It, it's good enough to perhaps slide in as yes. the last wildcard <laughs> team. But you and I are both in the same area, which is everything has to go right. And we haven't even looked at the lineup right now. 
infield is good. Infield's really solid. I don't know exactly what we're doing at third, but I think they'll figure that out. The outfield, to me, is a mess outside of Adelis Garcia. I I don't know what they're doing. So there's still a lot of questions about this team, even lineup-wise. Yes, I would agree with that. That's what I'm saying. Like, and, and that lineup, you know, you could, you know, splice things up, check some numbers out. You could dream upon that lineup, too. Uh, but again, it's just best case scenario right now. And I don't think that's exactly where the Rangers want to be. So maybe there's some moves right. coming forward or, you know, this is, they've done a lot in two years, Chris. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. I know. But the thing is, is that some of these guys don't have a lot of time. It's true. So I think that if you're going to step on the accelerator, like they have, you might as well push the thing full throttle. And I mean, they can, there's still players to be had out there. There's guys uh, that can be traded to them. I think that's an interesting Avenue for them. Um, I don't think they're done as currently constructed. Why don't they just give uh, Carlos Correa 13 years, 350 park him at uh, short move Seager to third and call it a day. Then I'm going to pay might. attention. They might. All right. Let's move on to the team that Nathan Avaldi has left behind the Red Sox. They replace him reportedly with Corey Kluber on a one-year deal. Have we underestimated Boston's off-season work? Uh, maybe. I think I didn't really think of it that way until you asked that question. You know, we know they've missed out on some people, some big names, and you know, we see Xander Bogarts leaving. So th- those things stick out. But some of the moves they did make, I think you're right. They're underestimated. I mean, you bring in Yoshi, you bring in Turner, um, and now this move. So it's and I like Kluber. I think Kluber's another one of those guys that, you know, I know his velo is way down, so that kind of scares me a little bit, but he's a pitcher and can get it done. And you don't need him to be an ace there. And although that rotation is kind of the reason I really question where they're at as far as, you know, the AL East, I think the lineup is solid if you really look at it. So I, I like this team, but again, this is the moves underestimated, yes, and and I applaud them for some of the moves they made, but they've also missed out on guys, and I don't think they're ready to be a top three team in the AL East right now. Well, you remember where they finished last year in the AL East? Last. They finished last. They were 21 games behind New York. They were also eight games out of the wild card. So do they have the ability to make up eight games somewhere? Roughly, let's say eight games. Could be more, could be a tad bit less. I doubt if it's going to be much, much less than that. I think the lineup's decent. I think the rotation is interesting. But once again, it comes with the biggest two-letter word out there in sports. If if Chris Sale can give us more than five starts and be, be okay. I mean, heck, John Heyman even threw out a rumor out there that they could trade Arson Sale. You know, and and I don't know if that's accurate or not, but uh, we'll see. But I, I guess to answer the question here, they picked up Jansen, Martin, Turner, Yoshida. Yoshida is the only one that's under age 35 that they signed. So it was like their signings are to supplement a good team to get them over the hump. And I don't know if they're quite there yet. I think these guys still have some production as well. I, I know what you're saying. I, I kind of agree with, you know, the grouping them in that category. But yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, they're not, they're not there yet. And I don't know if they're going to get there before the season. I mean, I put, I'm honestly, like if you were say the uh, Rangers and the um, Red Sox, I mean, wh- who do you rank above who? Like similar, right? Um, like maybe, they are, even, very, maybe even yeah, lean, they are similar. Maybe, maybe lean Rangers. Yeah. 
I think I think I like um I believe I like Boston a little bit more. I like what they've done with their pen. I think adding Jansen and Martin has been really, really good for them. And Justin Turner, I thought was more productive than JD Martinez, certainly in the second half. But like I said, I think when you look at their moves that they've made as a whole, it's to get them over the hump instead of back in the discussion, which I think is really where they are. All right, let's move on now to the uh, National League and the Atlanta Braves. And a few weeks after trading for Sean Murphy from the Oakland A's, they have inked the catcher to a six-year, $73 million extension. Uh, Here is Alex Anthopoulos on the continued philosophy there in Atlanta. Sign your young dudes and take away their arbitration years and free agency. By all these guys staying, it ensures hopefully that we stay competitive, assuming one, they stay healthy and two, they continue to perform. And that's not always a given, right? As much as these guys are talented and they're great people and they work hard, no one plans plans on having a bad year. No one plans on getting hurt, but it happens. They're dealing with hum- human beings. So um, it's a model that we've employed. I think it's important for us, for the parameters that we have, for the market we have, for what we have to work with. Uh, it doesn't mean that if I was a general manager in some other city, I would feel the same way. But you know, I do believe everything you do should be team-specific, and um, in my view of the way things are set up, this is what works for the for the Braves. Uh, before we move on to what he said, I want to just take a look at his look. And thank you, Alex, for doing, uh, you know, a FaceTime call from a car. It, because of the lighting, it looks like he had just spent the previous 17 minutes with his face pushed up against snow. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Those are frosted tips, kind of, if you will. (laughs) That thing's spiky. You know what, though? I I like everything he said right there. I mean, it's interesting he's mentioned, like, the parameters that we have. And if I was somewhere else, I would do something differently. What's all that about? Right. I don't want to dig too deep into that. But look, what they have done. Are you going to ask me a question? Did you ask me a question yet? Yeah. The question is going to be, should more and more teams follow this philosophy? Yes. I mean, I think this philosophy works for pretty much every organization, regardless of how much money you have to spend, you can employ this philosophy. Now you might not have as much money to go out and sign one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dudes to these long-term contracts, but some teams can do three or four. And I think most teams are looking. The, The thing with the Braves is they've been able to develop these guys. Not every team has seven dudes they want to lock up. Some don't even have any dudes they want to lock up. So that's like the key here is great job, like offering these guys contracts, but Hey, also like kind of fucking no brainer, dude, like developing these dudes, drafting, scouting these dudes. That's the impressive part. Now I'm going to praise this because I think the core is together through 2027. And then a couple guys beyond that, that's four, five years of, of these same guys, which is awesome. I'm praising this dude, but I want to say you got one other dude that you might want to talk to. The, the best Reed. pitcher on your team, the one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. You might want to pick up the phone and talk to that one too, because I think it's uh, too late. Time that. is of the essence. Yeah. Um, a few things. This is not new to the baseball world. No. Okay. It sounds like it is, but spin back the clock about 30 years to Cleveland, Ohio, where then GM John Hart was really the first one to implement this thought process. That's when 
our franchise had a ton of young talent that was all growing up together. And he started giving out contracts that would avoid arbitration years. And in some cases, free agency. Now the dollars back then weren't one, one thousandth of what they are now, but in order for Cleveland to keep some guys around, and he was able to do it with some guys and some other guys walked, they didn't take those deals. And they said, screw it. I'm, I'm going to leave it free agency. And it also precipitated some trades that the team didn't want to do, but here's Alex Anthopoulos and he has done it better. The main point you made is they have drafted and developed extremely well. The only thing, the only question I've got is at some point it's going to happen where these guys have realized they cost themselves maybe a hundred million dollars. It doesn't matter. What are you going to do? It is going to matter. It is going to matter because in other sports, guys have been able to leverage their way out. We've seen it with certain wide receivers and or quarterbacks in the NFL. We've seen it in the NBA. And I understand the dollars and cents are different, but the philosophy still remains the same. You never want a guy around your clubhouse who doesn't want to be there. And I'm just wait. I don't know Ronald Acuna. But the day he signed that deal, I was like, dude just cost himself $150 million. Easy. Easy. And at that some was, point, yeah. he, he's going to want to – he's going to look around the league and say, I've outkicked this by $20 million a year. Redo the contract. And they're going to say, hey, listen, we didn't have to give you $130 million. And he's, then he's going to be pissed. I mean, yeah, he, he can be pissed, but at the end of the day, like when you decide to sign that and you do it that young, you understand the risk involved in it. You understand that you're leaving money on the table potentially, dude. And you can look at other contracts and see the guys that didn't perform and you got this money for, you know, there's a lot of those instances as well. So I, I don't think, I don't worry uh, about that at all, the way that you do. I, I don't think that's going to come into play. I think that especially if these guys are, competitive year in and year out which they're going to be and like you know yes. actually competing for a world series that's alleviates a lot of the burdens as well plus i mean look it's not like he signed like a salvador perez type deal that's like five years eight million dollars they gave the guy a hundred million dollars chris 130 so okay it's a little different, it, a little that different. sounds great i understand it and i understand at the time 130 million dollars sounded great but as you get further down the road Sure, sure. Let me ask you this question. Would you be pissed if you left $150 million on the table and you know that you are way better than dudes who are signing $300 million contracts? Of course. But again, there's okay. really nothing you can do about it. I don't think it affects your play. I don't think you, t I don't think you come to the field like pouting. And, it, and look, listen, there's instances, like I just mentioned with Sal Perez and with uh, Jose Altuve, where the team kind of like does right by the player and, and you know, restructures the contract so right that that could happen it probably could not going to get to fair market value because at that who knows what people will be getting paid at that point um but you know that's in the works possibly okay we'll see probably not they don't I, the last thing about the atlanta thing it is funny and we kind of glossed over it although you did bring it up that he makes it sound like he's in milwaukee yeah. you know Atlanta is not a tiny little town with three stoplights. You know, maybe if I was a GM of a different team, we wouldn't operate this way. Like, come on.
what way would he operate? What's like, give me another way to operate. So you want to go less no contracts than that, more free agency? Oh, yeah. I mean, what would you, I think he's doing whatever he wants to do. What, what has he been hampered right. by? Nothing. Nothing. He, because he's had so much talent that has just shown up on his door and he's made a couple of shrewd moves, right? He's, he's traded yeah, for, he for two guys that have cost him dearly in the prospect department, but he's brought him in and he signed him without that's even seeing him in person. That's the thing that I like that he's done is he's not afraid to deal prospect capital for major league talent. Yep. Cause he understands the window that they're in and these yeah, guys and, that he's and getting, like by the he's... way, like when he traded for Matt Olson, it's like, Hallelujah, man. That's not a guy that's around for two years. That's around a guy that's going to be around for a decade. Like great moves. Almost right, seem uh, like no brainers uh, from the outside though. Right. Totally. Yep. <laughs> we had another transaction in the NL East. Miami Marlins, welcome to the offseason. They ink former Philly Gene Segura to a reported two-year contract worth $17 million. How much could the Marlins surprise in 2023? <sighs> well, I thought the Marlins might surprise in 2022. I think I even went as far as to say they're my dark horse World Series contender, all based on that beautiful pitching staff. I don't need to even name the guys. You probably all know them. Um, but, you know, this... The offense is light, Chris, and I think that's kind of been the theme there. We we got to find some offense down there. And Gene Segura, as good of a hitter as he is, and we love watching him in postseason and the kind of a bats that he puts up, I don't think he's like a needle mover. So could they surprise? I, I don't even I, – no, I don't even think they could surprise unless they do something else to the roster before spring training. I, I don't even want to give them a – yeah, possibly because of the pitching staff. Pitching staff – could be as good as possible, but they're not going to score enough runs as the roster set right now. Yeah, and they could add to that um, to that pitching staff if Yuri Perez gets unleashed and comes up here, and then it could be really fun. They were extremely trades. frustrating. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, they've got to start making some trades because I don't think relying on the guys that they've signed in recent years is going to be enough. Like when I had Skip Schumacher on the Rose rotation, he said injuries was a big problem. And there's no question, right? You can't get 213 at-bats from Jazz Chisholm, and he ends up leading your team in home runs. 213 and the guy led your team in home runs? That's embarrassing. Avisail Garcia, who was the big guy that they signed last offseason, gave more than 50 million bucks. Negative war. Can't have it. Jorge Soler, World Series MVP. They bring him in. He gets less than 280 at-bats. When you're getting your at-bats, you better be productive. They're going to have to rely on some people that they gave dough to. Off topic, I don't know exactly what this means for my buddy Miguel Rojas. We will see. Chris, they slugged 363 last year. That's not going to get it oh. done in today's baseball world. You know, we Like I said, we know what the pitching can be there. Uh, I think they're probably going to have to deal from that. Uh, positional yep. depth to bring in some bats and, and i'm totally okay with that because this is a definitely an area of need i mean you can't be competitive especially in that division with the way those boys bop ball around with a team that slugs 360 you just can't nope and you know most of the high price starting pitching has already settled into new homes if that's the case the next thing you do is you look for trade partners so they might they might deal from a position of strength who knows 
All right. This is, of course, the last show of 2022. What is your um, snapshot moment, if you will, from the last baseball season? I thought 2022 was like incredible as far as like moments go. We had a lot of massive ones like, you know, the Pujols 700 moment was incredible. The run that he went on to get there was incredible. I think if I were to boil it down to one singular moment that I recall sitting there watching and being like, holy shit. Uh, it's probably the Bryce Harper home run against uh, Suarez um, mm. in that series against the Padres. It's just like power on power, like big name in that market. And, and the Philly fans showed up and it was incredible. Uh, and then like he hits the ball oppo. Everyone goes wild. I think everything about that moment gave me chills when I was watching it. And it's it's definitely one that's when we look back on like Bryce Harper's career and we show the highlights like that's going to be one of them forever. And here it yeah. is. No, I think that's a really good call. No question. And, you know, when it's one of the biggest stars in the game and he has a chance to send his team to the World Series and he actually ends up doing it. Yes. Like it happens so and, infrequently. And what did he say? Like, I just did that or something like that. He couldn't believe it. He was he was in the dugout just like saying that. He's like, I didn't I can't believe I just did that. Like, what yeah, a moment. It was awesome. I remember I was at I was at NFL working and the whole place stopped. Like in the middle of a busy Sunday, everybody was just like, holy shit, did that really happen? So, you know, when you interrupt an NFL Sunday that you've done something big. So good for him. And that's a great one for me. You mentioned it. Uh, Albert Pujols. It wasn't um, the home run derby, which I thought was really cool. And we were there together with our John Boy Media family. It wasn't number 700 uh, that happened in Los Angeles. It was actually number 702. Um back at home in St. Louis, which I thought was really, really cool because I felt for the Cardinals fans that they didn't get a chance to see history made. So the fact that it was his last, you know, go around in a regular season game in St. Louis, the fact that they came back after more than a decade divorce and just had this love of love fest and love affair. I thought it was, it was awesome to see. So I thought to me, that was the great moment when he comes out and he tips his cat at the end. I, I lost it. I thought it was pretty cool. That was incredible. Like, like we said before, the run that he went on to get there, we talked about it when we, you gave me a question. I don't know, May or June. You're like, does he have a mm -hmm. chance to get there? And we are like, no, he's not going to get enough playing time. Nope. Like, da, 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 da. and then bam, bam, bam. And he helped this team, man. That's the best part about it. It wasn't like, yeah. some chase and it was only him and that's the only thing we were watching and we've seen that uh jim tome chasing it uh even miguel cabrera uh this meant something to the team too and i thought that made it so much better yeah really cool well that's gonna do it for the 2022 year i can't believe we're done baseball wise but of course this show never goes anywhere mm -mm. we will be back in the uh for the first tuesday of 2023 but a special shout out to everybody that makes this show happen uh, obviously for, uh, Jake and Jimmy, um, you know, for believing in us and letting us do this and our sales department for hooking it up, our two amazing producers, uh, Dan and Rob, who done it, do a, a remarkable job in turning this show around and making it something that we're real proud of here at, uh, at John Boy Media. And we'll hopefully we'll continue to grow in 2023. 
Most of all, thank you to you for consuming. We know you have a lot of choices in the baseball world and elsewhere to entertain yourself and take you away from whatever daily things you have to deal with. Uh, hopefully this provides a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of energy, a little bit of perspective, makes you think and makes you shout at your screen as well occasionally. So we will see you again in 2023. Everyone be happy and healthy for Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We'll see you next year on Baseball Today.